just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Loki Podcast with John Ball from Present Influence. We use Buzzsprout to upload and distribute the Loki Podcast to all major podcasting networks. If you're thinking of starting your own podcast, check out the link to Buzzsprout in the show notes. You could start your podcast today. On today's show, I am very happy to introduce a good friend of mine, someone I've known for some time and has agreed to come on my show, which I'm really pleased about because there's some important stuff that we want to talk about. Now, his business is online graphic design and website maintenance, but he is also the leader and host of one of the biggest meetup groups, I think probably in London, certainly is to do with entrepreneurs and marketing and the likes, called Entrepreneur Jam. And his name is Suraj Soda. Welcome to the show, Suraj. Thank you, John. It's so good to, to finally be on your show and, and be speaking with you about some important things that we're going to be talking about. Indeed. And one thing that's, that's really cool for this is that some of the stuff that first got me into understanding things about internet marketing and social media marketing particularly, I learned from you uh, because that was something that you were teaching for a while, right? It was, yeah. That, that, that's, that's so lovely to hear. Thank you so much. And, it, you know, all of those uh, concepts of internet marketing, which now go back, gosh, John, how, how long ago was that? It was, it was many, many, many years ago. <laughs> yes. um, whilst maybe the, 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 the intricate details of it have changed, the overarching concepts are still so valid today. And not, and I, I don't mean just in the internet marketing or marketing in general context, but in, in, presentations and in running a business successfully and growing a successful business and how that fits into your lifestyle as well. So uh, all of those concepts that I used to talk about from stage and <clears throat> in workshops that, that, that you know me from, uh, they still apply to this to this day. Now, you, you have some pretty extensive experience in public speaking, and that's also a very good reason to be speaking to you on this podcast. But what led you there? How did you end up on this path? I know we met in the sort of personal development environment, training environment, but how did you end up on this particular tra trajectory? So actually, it, it goes back um, to when I was in a corporate job. So if you sort of picture, you know, 20, 21 years old, graduated from university, I'm in my first corporate job and, you know, wearing, doing the whole suit and tie routine uh, and my boss, uh, a chap called Peter, who still to this day is the the inspiration or the the, the spark that got me into public speaking, um, because 
and this this might sound a little bit a little bit weird, but I I I looked up to Peter so much, and I I wanted to be him when I grew up. It was that kind of scenario, mm-hmm. and I was I was so um, impressed by my boss. I was kind of you know I, I was I was such a big fan of his, and the reason was the way he held himself and the way he presented himself. So just without going into any detail because it's it's extremely boring. Uh, I worked in corporate law. Uh, specifically in the gambling sector. So my boss was a a world-renowned expert on the intricacies of gambling law, which uh, you know is really not that exciting. But he was nevertheless uh, an expert. He had written articles. He was featured on you know um, uh, uh, publications in the legal world and, and so what, what have you. But one of the things that just really sort of impressed me about him was the way he presented from stage and. He was he was um, constantly invited all over the globe to speak at gambling conferences, at legal seminars, and and, and what have you about this particular topic. And that's incidentally, that's actually where I learned about this concept of niche marketing and becoming an expert in one area of or, or becoming an expert in one field and really sort of becoming the expert there and being known as the expert in that area. Um, and, and I remember seeing Peter on stage and the difference um, in, in the office. I was like, wow, he's able to like switch on and off between office Peter and stage Peter. Mm. And I was, I was so impressed by that. Um, not from a, um, not the, the, the angle that I was impressed with was more a case of the skill of being able to do that and being able to communicate the message he was wanting to communicate to the audience. And the aura that he had about him, the stage presence, and I was I was wowed. You know, I had sort of I was starstruck every time I saw this guy on stage, and was so um, humbled and, and privileged, felt privileged that I got to work with him every single day. And that's where my my it, it peaked my interest uh, about uh, public speaking. And I remember thinking to myself, well, when I grow up, and bear in mind, I'm 22 at this stage, uh, you know, saying when I grow up uh, and I'm like Peter, I'm going to be speaking on stages all over the world and I want to be sharing my message or whatever that message may be. Um, And I had no idea I wouldn't end up staying in that, in the legal profession, but that's where it started for me long before you and I met John in in the Mm. uh, personal development world, which actually gave me, uh, for want of a better phrase, my break um, in in public speaking, that's where I first set foot on a stage with a real human audience, <laughs> where um, you know, people were, were were looking at me. I had hundreds of eyeballs looking at me, waiting for me to say something clever or something inspiring or something that will change their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got the first taste of public speaking. Um, even though I knew I wanted to do it uh, long before we met, and by the time that period of our lives, um, uh, we were in that period of our lives. I had been out of that, the legal world for, for a number of years already. So I, I was inspired at the age of 21, 22 by my ex-boss. Um, but it wasn't until maybe my mid-20s where, when I actually got to put it into practice. Excellent. Well, for, you know, it's interesting because just recently on one of my podcast episodes, I was talking with someone about what had, who had inspired me in this area. And, and quite often it is the case that there's someone you've seen or been around or uh, has some connection with who inspires people to go down this path. Not always, but often. 
And for me, it was someone we both know, uh, Joanna Martin. Yeah. And and so the first time that I saw Joanna Martin on on the stage, and this was a, a training she was teaching, training, telling stories, and uh, teaching as NLP from the mm. from the platform. I knew that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to train. I wanted to present. But it took me seeing someone like her doing it so well. And I'd say now she does it even better than she did then. You know, we, we saw her maybe in her some of her earlier presenting days, but now she's yes. uh, really blossomed into her, her own brand and her own thing. And it's amazing to see what she's what she's doing. And, and I hope to have her as a guest sometime in the future as well. But for me, the, she was she was like a model. If you, yes, if you, like for going into that path and coming into the public speaking and recognizing what an impact, a profound impact and difference you can make to people from that kind of platform. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, similarly to, to yourself, she, she was a massive inspiration for me, or she is even a massive inspiration for me still. Um, and I, you know, I, I went through her training and courses and spent time at her events um, back in the day where uh, I, I was able to refine those skills that I was so inspired uh, by from from Peter, but also from the other events that that you and I used to attend together, and and you know sort of volunteer at and and be part of these events. Seeing some of those speakers, it's all it was all well and good seeing them from the back of the room and from yeah. being a participant in in all these various events, but actually learning you know, the, almost the, the science behind it. The the, the the techniques behind it and not in a in a shady way when I say techniques but you know what what is the best way to communicate your message it, it, for me also it was from from Joanna Martin so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great throwback at, at those events there were so many Australians I started speaking <laughs> with an Australian accent for a while I mean. <laughs> I know, I know. I, it, it, it did seem to uh, have a massive Aussie contingent at these events, didn't they? It was, it was, but uh, that, that's not a bad thing. Uh, not at all. I love, I love my Aussie friends. For for you then, you you've done some of that training. You done, you had some inspiration. You've done some speaker training. When did you actually first get up on a stage as a speaker to an audience that wasn't there to evaluate you or to help you with the training? Yeah. Um, so it was actually um, a, a workshop, a very small workshop that I ran in, in London. And it was a, around the the topic of you know growing your business on the internet, what, what sort of strategies you should be implementing to make your website more visible and, and communicate your offer uh, online in a better way to more people, ultimately to make more sales. And at that time, I didn't see myself as a speaker um, I just saw myself as someone running a workshop. And mm. uh, whilst I was at the front of the room for for two days, running this workshop, presenting, speaking, um, you know, helping people out, I, it wasn't until I, I um, was invited to speak at, a, at a, a quite a big sort of multi-speaker format of event, which is when I, I first recognized that, oh, wow, I, I'm, does this mean I'm a speaker now? Um, so my my first uh, time where, where I wasn't a work, uh, I wasn't attending a workshop or speaker training was this this little workshop, and I remember I think there was probably about about seven, seven or ten people in the room, um, and I think that's that that really helped me because I didn't see my like I said I didn't see myself as a speaker, but I was I, I practiced all of the same elements, the same techniques, the same concepts with lots and lots of small events like that. And um, by taking the 
uh, almost the, the stigma, not the, st- the stigma is probably the wrong word, John, but um, taking away the pressure of labeling myself as a speaker at small events, I think really helped me to then graduate, if you will, to the bigger events. Um, and it was at one of my first big events. It was an internet marketing event in, in central London. I think there must have been about a thousand people in in the room. They had all paid to be there. And I was, you know, I, I was I had massive imposter syndrome. I was like, who am I to speak uh, in front of all these people who have paid money to, to hear something clever? And I'm going to rock up and, and say something that I've been doing, you know, without really the level of success that I would have wanted before I could share this information. And uh, I, I remember I got up on stage and I did my talk. And at the end of my talk, it was an hour and a half. I got, I, 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 before I finished, I said, oh, oh, by the way, this is my very first like major event that I've spoke, spoken at. Right. And, you know, the, the audience gave me a round of applause and the feedback afterwards was like, well, we, we could never tell that this was the first event that you'd ever spoken at. And it was funny because I had treated that big multi-speaker event, thousand people in the room, as my first speaking gig. Yeah, and and for me, I even now talking about it now, I still class that as my first my first time. But actually, when you when I think a bit deeper about it, it was all of those workshops all over the UK. And I used to get in my car. I drove to Bristol. I drove to Cardiff. I drove to um, Birmingham. I drove to Newcastle once. I remember for like one night. Um, and I live in London, so it's a long way to go. And I used to couch surf on people's, you know, sofas who who I who I knew through various networks and events. And I said, "Hey, look, I'm I'm running this workshop in in, in Bristol. Can I can I crash on your couch? Uh, because literally, I'm, I need to be in and out and and back in London and, and all this. And and that's where I got my training. And I kind of it, it's really important for me when I do podcasts like this as well to remember that that's actually where I learned my public speaking. Um, you know. By my, myself uh, by actually doing it and actually implementing everything I'd learned at these workshops and training events I'd been to. Um, so, so by the time I did a big event and then it went on to, to I spoke in Australia at, at one of my mentors events. And by then I had, um, I, I was able to draw on and take all, take all the experiences from hundreds of small 10 to 15 to 20 person workshops and apply the same principles to a thousand-person workshop, and sometimes these people had paid, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars to to be in the room. Um, so, so it, it does have that added pressure of yeah. delivering something of of real massive value. Um, I guess that's that's a, almost a whole different conversation. But um, mm. my, my my training, if if you want to call it that, came from the smaller events, which yeah. it, it's it's really easy to to discount those as saying, well. I wasn't a speaker there only because there were seven people in the room. It doesn't matter. That that's where I learned speaking in front of, you know, people who had paid to be there and were yeah. were, were waiting to be inspired or wanting some some value. I can remember attending one of your workshops, and I don't know how far along that was in your yeah. in your delivery of those things, but I remember it being a good workshop. So uh, thank you, John. I that, appreciate that it. That stayed with me. One thing that came, that came up just from what you were saying there that, that I want to come back to was you mentioned the uh, the old devil of imposter syndrome. Now, I think yes. everybody who ever does any kind of presentation or public speaking, anytime you have to get up in front of someone else, and sometimes even when you just showing up in a social or networking environment, 
it comes up. Um, for you, when did you actually start to move out of that, or did you? Does it still stay with you? Yeah, it, I, I, I was. I was going to say I, I don't think it ever goes away, um, and it's one of those things that just keeps me. I, I, of course, I can't speak for everyone, but certainly for myself. It just keeps me in check, John. It just keeps me grounded. It it keeps my ego um, and my humility in in check at, at the right levels, um, without crossing the boundary into believing that I know everything and I know it all. And you know, I'm I'm the greatest gift that this event is ever going to have because what nothing else matters apart from what I say. Um, I like having imposter syndrome and I, I try where possible to embrace it. it. It's super difficult because it still gives you that, those butterflies. It gives you that doubt. It, it make, gives you feelings of you know, self-doubt and self-consciousness. Um, and it, it does make you question yourself and what am I doing? And, you know, what, what, why am I here? What, what, what's going to happen if this goes wrong? And you do start that self chatter in your head that actually is, is it puts you down but rather than try and block all of that out I try and anyway and I'm not saying I'm, I'm an expert in it sometimes of course it, it gets you down but I try and embrace that imposter syndrome because it means that hey I'm not the smartest person in this room and I'm here to learn as much as to, to give value and by framing that up very early on whenever I, I, I do a talk it actually just settles me down. It settles the audience down. And also it kind of manages their expectations that, hang on, this guy is not going to be giving me the, 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 the single magic bullet answer that I've been waiting for my whole life. He is, um, you know, just like me. He's also on a journey. Um, and perhaps he's just a little bit further along on that journey than I am, you sit as if I was talking in the audience. Um, and that's where I like to position myself. Uh, and and not just for the audience, but for myself, John, because the minute I start to get a little bit too big for my own boots, I know that that's game over for me because that's when my ego is taken over. And the minute I start to look down on my audience and say, well, obviously they're here to listen to me because I'm the clever one and they're, they're not, um, that, that's sort of game over. So I, I, imposter syndrome is, is, is one of these things, I guess, which is... It, 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 it can really hurt your your progress, um, but at the same time, you can actually keep you in check as you progress and as you go through that journey. And for me, my my benchmark is the minute I don't have imposter syndrome, even talking on this podcast, uh, John. You know, I was I was sort of pacing for about fifteen minutes before we jumped on this, thinking, "Oh my God, what am I gonna what am I gonna talk about?" You know, I don't I don't who am I to talk about you know presenting and influence and you know. John's got, uh, he's had so many more accomplished speakers than, than I am and I ever will be. So it kicks in, but here we are. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things, right? That if I know something a little bit better than you, I've done something, um, I've had more experience in something than you, that potentially qualifies me to, to talk about it and teach about it and, and, and coming from a place of paying it forward rather than Look how clever I am and look what I can do and look what I've thought up. Because quite frankly, and being totally honest, everything that I've taught, and I'm sure a lot of other speakers you have on your show will, will agree that everything that we teach from a stage environment or a webinar or a podcast, 
I haven't made it up, John. Only all of these things, I've not made them up. Mm. I've learned them from other people. My my role here as a speaker, as a trainer, as an educator, all of ours, is to simply pay forward what we've learned. And it may have been, um, you know, we may take it from somewhere else and uh, recycle it or rehash it and make it our own and, you know, put our own spin on it and call it something different. But ultimately, um, I, I've, I'm yet to find someone who has invented a concept that they've okay. taught. It's all, you know, for want of a better phrase, it's just rehashed information. It is. Um, and I'm not saying that in a bad way at all. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so that, that, that's where my imposter syndrome kicks in all the time. Um, yeah. But then I remember that, are you even expecting me to come up with a magic formula that you've never heard of before? Because Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course not but we live we live in a postmodern world and by that i mean everything pretty much has already been done but we still yeah. build on it and we still take the principles and knowledge that other people have put together or provided us with and we build on that as well and so we we take that hopefully a bit further we put our different perspective or spin on it I really like your, your spin on imposter syndrome that you make it kind of a healthy thing. To me, it was reminding me of that. Uh, I don't know if you know much about stoicism, but the, the whole thing of that, the Roman emperors would have the uh, someone behind them saying memento mori, you know, to remember that they were mm. mortal, remember that they died too, that they're not, they're no better than their, than their subjects and the people that they're speaking to. And is that kind of thing as well? That keeping you keeping you humble, keeping yes. you remembering who you are. I really like that, and that's a very a very healthy frame. But all too often, that imposter syndrome um, just stops people from doing it. You know, you talk about me having much better speakers on the show. That um, I would probably class you as being a better speaker than me. You know, it's like, like all the time I'm speaking to people who are thinking, I'm just glad you've come on my show and you're going to have a conversation with me. But but in, in no way am I thinking, oh, yeah, let's compare you to other people I've had yeah. on. Um, because everybody has something unique to say. Like this conversation is not a conversation I'm ever going to have with anyone else again before or after. Mm. So it is a unique conversation and it is interesting as well. So thank you for that. But one thing I want to take to students, I just want to ask you a quick question. What has been the most exciting stage you've ever spoken from? And I'm going to add to that. Do you enjoy speaking now? And was that something that transitioned for you? Because most people, most people start off afraid from it, hopefully end up starting enjoying it. Uh, it's a great question. So the, the, the stage that I, or the, the event uh, that I, 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 was most excited to speak at, apart from you know my first one, which which actually in hindsight I was I can now say I was excited about it at the time. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was excited. I was more anxious and nervous. Appearance kind of level. Yeah, yeah, one of those kind of uh, situations. But the one I was most excited about was my very first um, international event. It was um, uh, I'm trying to think how long ago it was. I can't, I can't even begin to think maybe 10 years ago a long a long time ago it was in australia it was on the sunshine coast um and i had um uh, literally uh, reached out to the organizer and said um you know hey i'm a you know uh, i follow your stuff uh, online and i really like information i've implemented it here are my results from implementing it you know, what 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 would it take to speak at one of your prestigious events to to share what I've done? And I kind of pitched it from a point of view where I can come and 
big you up because I've implemented what you've taught me and I can be like a walking, talking testimonial. And he replied, he said, uh, I think you're ready. Um, you know, see you next month, question mark. And I literally like fell off my chair and I, um, I, I booked a flight out to, to Sydney, flew from Sydney to, I spent a bit of time in Sydney, then went to uh, the Sunshine Coast um, and uh, spoke at this event. You know, I think there were about six, 700 people there. They'd all paid a premium ticket to, to be there because of the person that was running it and the other speakers that were there. And I had the best time of my life. Uh, I uh, hired a, uh, like a uh, there was no Airbnb back in, back in the day, but uh, the equivalent of like a, a, an Airbnb apartment with a couple of other speakers that I, I knew through the network and just through the community. And we shared this apartment and we sort of were living like students again. It was amazing, uh, John. Yeah. And, and I was so excited to be there because I was one of the only Brits on, on, on the stage. And um, it, it was incredible. I, I felt in that moment, uh, you know, that was my quote, I made it unquote moment. And mm. I, I, I still have a picture of me setting up my laptop at this event, um, literally, 20 something year old kid just 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 going along with life and i was so excited i remember stepping back and thinking hang on a minute i've just like a few years ago i quit my boring corporate job in law to start this website business and now i'm speaking in australia other side of the planet never been to australia before like it was the, one of the, the wildest dreams come true um and and it, that was the most exciting and probably one of the most pivotal moments um, of my speaking career, if you want to call it that. Um, and to, to follow on from that, your, your second question: Do I, do I, was it? Do I still enjoy speaking? Was that your question? Do you enjoy it now? Did you? Yeah, I I absolutely enjoy it, and my speaking has has changed from that format of you know me being on stage delivering value in the sense of you know, these, these are my three steps to so and so or whatever I'm teaching. Um, my speaking has changed, but I, I enjoy it immensely. And every time I get off a stage, and even if it's not a physical stage, even if I jump off a webinar or a podcast like this, I, I, I have such a rush of energy and the, that good feeling. I literally don't want to do anything else. And then, it's, and then I feel, wow, I want to do another one straight away. And it's, I guess, like the skydive um, you know, when, when, when you're, you're about to jump, I don't know if you've, if you've ever done a skydive jump, I've done a few skydives and I'm too scared. <laughs> it, it's one of the, one of the greatest things I've ever done. And, um, it's the feeling of, you know, of that concept of you're, you're, you're up in the plane and the doors open in the plane and you're thinking in your head, why is the door open in this airplane? That's not normal. And then, you know, why am I hanging out? Why am I stepping out of this open door in this flying airplane? This is not normal. And you're so going through these emotions, and then you 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 you're in free fall to to the earth, you know, two three hundred miles an hour, and it's just so liberating and so freeing. And then when you land, the minute I every time I land, I, my parachute comes off, and I say, I want to do that again. I want to do it again. Let's go now. Let's do it again, all over again. And that's exactly how I feel every time I I speak at an event, whether it's a digital or or, or in person event. I still love it so much. And I know I'm not the, a, a polished speaker. Um, and I remember something that actually Joanna uh, taught, uh, taught at her events. She goes, but actually your aim is not necessarily to become a polished speaker. Um, she said your aim is to become a profitable speaker. And I've sort of adapted that a little bit because I don't 
always sell from stage. In fact, most of my talks, I'm not selling uh, directly from the stage. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about being more of a, an authentic speaker. So rather than a polished speaker, I'd much rather be uh, authentic and just be myself and almost pretend like the audience isn't even there, that I'm just, I'm just talking about stuff that I'm passionate about. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, the answer to your question is, I do love it. And uh, I, I get such a buzz, such a thrill from it. And I would encourage anyone who, who hasn't done it, but you know, wants to give it a go now through podcasts, this is the best form of public speaking because we're speaking to the public without the pressure or the, you know, I guess, intimidation of having 200 eyeballs staring back at you with their arms crossed with, with sort of not very happy faces waiting for you to inspire them this way. I know I'm doing that. Um, but it's without the, the, okay, without the, maybe the, 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 the visual validation from people, but I'm still doing what I, what makes me feel good, which is to give value, speak about things that I'm passionate about and that I love talking about. Um, and, and so that the objective is still, still reached. So yeah, I, I love it I more than anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good, and uh, I really liked what you what you shared there as well. And from from perspective of you know, just getting up on a stage and giving value, I think that's the more important thing. You know, so often people will say to me, "Oh, you know, you, um, I do often get a lot of feedback that I'm a good speaker." Like, okay, but hopefully, I know that to some degree. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it's still nice to hear it from other people just to get yes. that external validation, right? You want, yeah. Yeah, though he doesn't want to think it's only me who thinks I'm a great speaker, but <laughs> um, but sometimes you, you know you do still. There's always room for improvement. Yes, of get, course. We get too focused on the things we do wrong, uh, and I think that can be one of the issues. Like, I'm very active in, in Toastmasters, and sometimes I think that's one of the things that maybe puts people off. That is that when you get up and speak in a Toastmasters club, when you do a prepared speech anyway, you will get feedback, and you will get feedback on things like how many ums and ahs you put into. Uh, presentation for example and that the polished speakers take that stuff out well yes to a degree that's true however some of the best speakers i've ever seen in my life are full of ums and ahs so it, it's not that it actually necessarily takes something away if it's maybe too much perhaps it would but it, it's really more a case of just giving you that awareness that those things are in your speech I, I now, um, I don't, don't know, this is interesting, but I now transcribe the podcast. I wasn't doing it for a while, mostly as a time saver, but people are telling me it's important to do that. So I've been transcribing. And when I get the transcriptions back, the service is pretty good. I use like Otter AI. Yes. And um, you see all these places where you repeat yourself, where you, where these, these stammers, natural stammers <laughs> in your conversation, or where you say the same words over and over again, that you don't notice. And, and really in conversation, you tune it out anyway, but when you see it written down, it's glaringly obvious. And, and for a transcription, you have to clean that stuff up. But in conversation, it's probably not realistic that you're going to cut all that stuff out. So just have a conversation like you normally would. Otherwise, you end up being self-conscious about that and forgetting probably what it is you even really want to talk about, which is where you're going to freeze up and where you're going to get that brain fog or the I don't know what to say next because you're not just there in the moment having that conversation. And one of the reasons why I call my business Present Influence is also that the Dublin Play was being present as well of uh, being in the moment being actually there with your audience not in your head thinking about what you're going to say next or 
did you do enough preparation or what kind of feedback are you going to get afterwards, which straight away takes you out of that. Mm. The, the more experience you get, you can be more relaxed and that being relaxed in those environments does come with experience. That confidence comes with experience. That's one of the reasons why having a chat like this is generally a bit more relaxed. You know, we're recording it. We can cut stuff out if we need to, but we're not, focusing too much on am I saying the right things am I gonna mess it up what am I gonna say next kind of thing it's just a conversation yeah and it's it's funny how a lot of these things that we learn early on in you know speaker training school um is it, it for me anyway I find that a lot of those things I then tend to kind of let go of because um I move to a place of actually saying all right well I'm not I'm not going to try and perform here I'm I'm just going to talk and have a conversation and it comes much more from a place of um, authentic authenticity rather than performance. Yeah, I agree. And the authenticity is really the, the more important part there. Actually hearing somebody talk as they would talk, not trying to give that polished, uh, polished performance. You know, I guess I had just recently a really good copywriting guy called John Asperian saying exactly this in his book, which I am just about to finish, but, talking about hiring people's copy that mm. try and have it all polished and perfect whereas it's actually much better for you to have copy that um, is how you speak pretty much because it's yes. more relaxed and, and it takes people a while to do that and he makes a really good point i'm sort of plugging his book almost here but he makes a really good point of that um if you get into a meeting with some people and you talk like your copy, <laughs> polished and perfect, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's going to be a bit dull and they're probably not going to buy for you unless you're really, really lucky. And it's true, you know. And um, so it is like in, the in-person, the connection stuff, the imperfect that makes us more relatable and, uh, and, and the lack of worry about that and focus more on the connection and the value and the, the being in the moment that makes the bigger difference. Exactly. I couldn't, couldn't have put it better myself. One, one thing that I really wanted to touch on with you, yes. I mean, you're a great person to follow on social media, I have to say. And, and probably that's how we've kept in touch mostly yeah. for, for the longest time, uh, although we do from time to time um, have some connection. And, and uh, I consider you to be an incredibly helpful person as well. Like I remember you helped me get my first website set up. So mm -hmm. I definitely appreciate that. I haven't forgotten that at all. But you also like helped me out when I was looking for a, a cake topper for my wedding cake and things like that, which gave us the solution that we've been looking for. I mean, just, just amazing. You're a, you're a very genuinely helpful person who wants to help other people. And so that to me makes you a great person to follow online. I know on LinkedIn, you share a lot of value stuff, some humorous stuff, some interesting stuff. Yeah. So anyone listening to this should definitely come and follow you on, on LinkedIn or anywhere else where you might want them to do that because it's always good to follow people who are sharing good value. Yes. And, and value yeah. is not just education or I, I believe is not just Here's, here's how to do something. Um, value can be something funny. It can be a joke. You know, dare I say it can be a funny cat video as well, um, <laughs> which you're going to see me post one of those later on today. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's, isn't, isn't that the point of, of social media? It's, it's about connection and, and yeah, putting, putting our business owner hat on. Yeah, it's, it's about providing value and um, it, it's another form of letting 
people know about your personality. And if, you know, if, if, if we met up and were having a meal together or something and all you talked about, all, all you, let, let's put it in social media, social media speak, all you gave me was value. I'd be bored out of my brains, John. And I, and, and, I, and I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with this concept of, you know, give value. I know I, I give, I, I say that a lot myself, but it's, it's one of these things that's been so overused, hasn't it? Like you give value first and you know, be value add and all this sort of stuff. Um, how about just, just be normal and just, just share and pay it forward and, you know, be a decent person uh, and and that that's really like i think what what it comes down to and if we focus on right this is a conversation and i'm going to give you value it's already too robotic and it's already too overthought because you would never do that in a real in a you know quote unquote real social environment um yeah we we, we seem to do this on on LinkedIn and all other social platforms, maybe somewhat too rehearsed. I think even even me and I hold my hands up to it. You know, I, I, that, that's sometimes what goes through my mind. Okay, well, no more jokes today, Suraj. Put something <laughs> of value out there that someone's gonna you know, it's gonna change someone's life. And of course, there's never anything that I can post that will change someone's life. But um, yeah, it, 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 it's interesting. But thank you for for that. I really appreciate that. Well, you know, you enjoy enjoy my posts. I hope this will impress you. But this is one of the things that I remember from your workshop all those years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, talking, you talking about social media and saying that social media is social. It's social yes. media. So if you're just posting about your business, if you're just posting about uh, stuff that you're you're going to be doing or your articles or whatever else it is boring and it's yep. not social that you have to balance that with posts that might just be about what what's coming up or what you're doing that day or not playing with the dog or the cat yeah but that that's just as important because it's uh, giving people that sense of who you really are and and actually connecting with people on on that personal level that not just to project a personality like your your ideal insta personality yeah. but your but who you really are and and that's what people will will connect with more than anything else. So so I remember that from from your workshop, and that stay with me. I think it's advice I still give to people in terms. Oh, of thank you. That that, that 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 that's so kind of you to say. And 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 yeah, you know, it it, it is, and it, that that advice still still stands so true today. It's social media. It's not advertising. You know, advertising is very different to social media. And I know we we have, uh, marketers have generally ruined social media because these things were made for socializing and connecting with people. And you know, in fact, Facebook was made for a very different reason, which would be completely unacceptable in in this day and age if it was started as a uh, for the reason that it was originally started for. I don't know if you know, but uh, you know, Facebook was started for a you know like a a, a hot or not kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, um, platform to to rate girls on on campus, like or to rate guys and girls on campus. Yeah. Um, you know, how, what are you a level? Are you a ten or are you a three? And you know, can you imagine someone in the from the tech world in in Harvard and Silicon Valley and all this starting a, a website like that in this day and age? It just it just wouldn't happen, right? Um, yeah. But that's ultimately what these platforms were started for. Twitter was, you know, just just to share your thoughts. Snapchat, Instagram, all these things. This is invite people into your life who maybe are not going to be in your day-to-day -day life, but who, who want to be part of it. And mm -hmm. we as business owners have ruined it totally because all we, all we want to do is give value, whatever that means. And 
all we want to do is show how clever we all are um, and you know share all our information that we're just rehashing from other sources. And there is a place for that. I'm not being a total you know um, grinch about it. There is a place for that, and I do it myself. Um, but I think there has to be some degree of balance there about uh, showing people what's going on in your life and letting them in and, and socializing because ultimately the, the the true test of a good business is that people buy from people yeah. just because you offer a service doesn't mean i will buy it just because you're you know posting about it all the time yeah i have a few uh, a few facebook friends who i kind of wish had their business profile separate from their personal profile yeah, yeah exactly and <laughs> isn't it the case that a lot of these times you kind of switch off after yeah. a little while because you think well you're just talking you're just trying to sell me something and mm. and and you're, you're using this platform to advertise to me um and i, I still uh, use that example of going to a party um you know if, if you were to go to a, a party or a social environment you know drinks someone's birthday drinks or whatever and and in the small talk rather than going into oh how, how do you know so and so or making all the usual small talk you say hey do you want consultancy or do you want a website do you need some coaching they're going to look at you weird and that you're going to look like a bit of a freak and a bit of a, a weirdo at this party trying to sell your services um but guess what if you socialize with those people you get to know them you have a drink with them or you know you have a nice meal and a nice conversation about things that you have in common maybe more often than not, they themselves will be more interested in saying, oh, hey, John, what would you do? I, 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 I overheard you say something about coaching or consultancy or workshops and training. Tell me more about that. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're going into the, 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 the topic of what you do, but without ramming it down someone's throat. Yeah. It's interesting. I've got a whole webinar about networking, and I don't yeah. included that in there. I think I'm going to have to make some uh, additions because I do <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with you, and, and I think that is really important. One thing that has been very interesting about following you on, on social media is you've had some very significant life changes over the years that I've been, yes. been following you, and uh, not not least of which is you know, uh, a different direction of career to, to what I first knew you to, to be in, and you've talked about some of that. But probably one of the most interesting, certainly one of the most inspiring to me personally, has yep. been your physical transformation. Yes. And that you have gone from, I wouldn't have said you were really particularly big before, but you weren't slim either. No. You know, not going to, uh, you know, it's something I struggle with myself in my life. But um, you have transformed into some super fit motherfucker now who does all these <laughs> <laughs> he does all these challenges. I want to know a, a bit more about that, what inspired it and what got you on, on that journey and what you have noticed different in your life because of doing this. Yeah, that's an interesting one, John. Um, so like you said, I, I wasn't necessarily you know, unhealthily overweight or anything. Um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, necessarily take my, my shirt off at the beach and be massively proud about it but it was it was that was early early 30s sort of uh it's, it's chubby but not quite not not unhealthily chubby but not not fully happy with with my appearance but what triggered my my full body transformation you know from from chubster to sort of being featured in men's health magazine entirely sort of ripped and shredded to bits was actually hitting a really low point in my life um and and going from you know 
what you want to call cloud nine to to that rock bottom place where literally scraping yourself off the ground. And I was very happily married. I uh, was doing good things. My business was great. I just sold my one of my agencies for you know a big amount of money and was looking forward to you know, married bliss, you know, house, a new house, babies, all the rest of the stuff that comes with that lifestyle. And um, you know, long story short, uh, I, uh, my wife and I ended up separating and getting a divorce in a very short space of time. It was all very much, you know, roller coaster esque mm. um, period of my life. And I found myself, you know, at the end of that year with no business, um, no wife, no uh, baby that we were planning, no house that we were planning to buy, except for, you know, a wad of cash in the bank account because I'd sold my agency earlier that year. So I had this massive void in my life in all areas. And I found myself really low, really stuck, no purpose in life, no real direction. And my, um, I was seeing a relationship uh, coach at the time, and she said, you know, look, just for starters, find yourself a hobby. Do something you don't associate with your ex-wife. Um, you know, go learn a language or something and learn cooking or do, do something. Just something to take your mind off it and to, to disassociate from all of the feelings you're having. Um, and I ended up finding the gym. Uh, I went to the gym and again, massive sort of anxiety and not quite imposter syndrome, but almost like out of, I'm so out of place here because I'm this chubby guy in all my brand new shiny gym kit, which I spent lots of money on, but I don't look like all these people in the gym who are wearing old rubbish gym kits, but they look amazing. Um, and I'd kind of focus on the wrong thing. Um, so I went into the gym and I just kept going. I kept going. I'd created new habits in my life, created new habit systems to, to, to really focus on every single day, making sure I'm, I'm uh, not in a bad way, but in a good way, ticking all the boxes I needed to tick to, to meet my, my, my habit systems that I was creating for myself. And before you know it, I started losing all of this weight and it started to make me feel good. Um, not just because I could see myself getting uh, leaner and fitter and uh, slimmer, but actually from what you said earlier, some external validation from other people saying, oh, hey, Suraj, you, you, you lose, have you lost some weight? And, you know, it might be really, uh, I don't know if, it, if it's a polite thing to say to people anymore or if it's PC or saying, oh, you've lost loads of weight. Um, but whatever the, the, the scenario around that is, it felt really, really, really good. And it drove me to say, well, yeah, I want more people to say that to me. So I'm going to go to the gym even more and I'm going to hit it even harder. And then I got a trainer who um, I, who basically I, I explained my, my situation to and I said, I need you to take me to my extreme. I need you to push me to my extreme, like really take me to a place that I can't take myself. And uh, so we went into this uh, full-blown body transformation program, which included an you know, overhaul of my nutrition and really... Um, understanding my my nutrients and my macros that I needed to eat to sustain my body and my my fitness and my strength, um, as well as a, a, a gym routine. And over a period of twelve to eighteen months, I basically lost I think twenty five to thirty kilograms of weight. Got totally ripped. Um, you know, got this amazing physique that was like magazine level physique, and. Um, was able to sort of dig myself out of that that hole that I'd essentially found myself in. So uh, I, I re and one thing my trainer talks about a lot is this concept of 
the physical is simply the vehicle. So it's actually not about the, the muscles or the body or the physique or the, the look and the aesthetic of it. Don't, don't get me wrong. It helps. It looks great. It feels great. It gives you a massive confidence boost. You know, when, when you look in the mirror and you look good and you feel good and the clothes fit better and, and all of this. Um, but the, 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 the much more... Uh, uh, the, the more important benefits and the important transformation is what you don't see, which is, which is the mental transformation, the mindset transformation, and how that kind of permeates into all areas of your life. And I found that the habit systems and the discipline and all the, the awareness and the consciousness that I created in order to achieve this insane physical um, transformation, it was the very same things that I had to apply in my business to achieve a business transformation. You know, you still need the same level of uh, discipline, the same habit systems, the same level of consistency, whether you're publishing a podcast or a blog or, you know, making cold calls. The same concept applies to getting a, a breakthrough there uh, as well as a breakthrough in the gym if you're if you're aiming to lift, you know, 100 kg dead weight, for example. Um, it's about those small steps and small consistent steps, or as my coach uh, says, ruthless consistency, you know, at, almost at all costs. And if you apply that in all these areas of your life, your body, your being, your, your, spirit, your spirituality, your, your balance, which is your relationships with, with a significant other or family and friends, and then your business, there, there's, there's, no, there's no reason uh, there's no logic as to why you can't have a transformation in any of those sort of areas of your life that are important to you. So it, it very much was a um, a case of a distraction from what I was feeling at the time, but it turned into this enormous passion that I found. That I, you know, I, I awoken this this newfound passion for. For, for, for health and wellness and training and going to the gym. And I, I ended up loving it so much. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's that story. And you've seen the pictures, John, you've seen the case study and, and uh, yeah, it was a, a, an incredible journey. One which had actually, and ironically has nothing to do with my body. <laughs> right. But, but I, I mean, I can only sort of, Go from a perspective of what, what I imagine here, because you know I'm, I'm, I would describe myself as being the fittest of people. Though for me, within the last, even within the last six months, I've lost something like uh, I think I'm going to try and say I think it's something like 25 kilograms, which which it's amazing. is amazing, right? Yeah, it's and, amazing. Uh, but there's still a way to go. And uh, but you know I've taken inspiration from from you, from your journey to see that you've made such a huge transformation. I wouldn't say I'm going for that level of transformation yeah. myself, but certainly to to get that, that it, it does start to change how you see the world when when how the world sees you sees you starts to change as well. Totally. Totally. And 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 unfortunately that it, it, it can also um, make you realize you know sometimes how, how shallow the world sees sure. things, or how, you know, how, how shallow the, the the views of certain people are, or certain parts of the world are, which is not something necessary to be proud of, but it's certainly something to be aware of and be more conscious about. Um, but from a from a positive point of view, absolutely, it it, it makes you feel uh, good because because you know then you're inspiring other people. And the amount of messages that I had to say, well, do you know what, I've also had this problem, and and not just from. A, 
like people wanting to lose weight, but actually people going through similar life situations that that uh, that uh, that I was, you know, going through mental health challenges, going through depression, going through relationship problems, and I'm by no means an expert in any of those areas. Um, certainly not relationships or mental health, but the impact that it had on me, it kind of inspired others to 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 take a different step or a different view and not everyone wants to or needs to go through such an extreme uh, program like I did but it 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 really does change the way that that you feel and the way you you look at yourself yeah. when others are looking at you in a more inspiring way um and and it impacts everything it impacts your business it impacts your your your, your well-being your mind your mindset it impacts your ideas your creativity you yeah. know everything around you and we maybe come back a bit to the imposter syndrome we mentioned earlier. You know, I know one yeah. of the things that uh, sometimes I, I've even had getting up on stage as well is that you know people are as soon as you get up in front of people, people are making judgments about you, whether mm. fairly or unfairly they are. And you know, if your if your weight isn't within what people consider to be the ideal range, then you know people are making judgments about yeah. you like you're too skinny or you look like you're too big that's the first thing people are noticing about you and are, and are making a judgment about that either you don't eat enough or you eat too much or that you don't have self-control you know that that's what's in people's heads you don't want it to be and it's unavoidable but it then you kind of almost can end up getting a bit obsessed about that but that's all people see but uh, it does change because we all know that when you actually start to get to know someone a bit you start to see them for who they are more than what they look like and and that is the that is the bigger part of it but you're right for the for the most part the world is pretty superficial and uh, you know i know uh, not just from insecurity, but I know that there have been opportunities that I may have missed out on, on because I wasn't uh, didn't look as healthy as I could look, didn't look as slim as they as they would have wanted me to look for those opportunities. And uh, is that is that something you, you relate to at all? Do you, do you get do you get that? Do you do you feel that there there's a difference between who you know who, not just the, obviously different physical transformation, but um, that there were things maybe missed out on or insecurities that were particularly coming up for you at that time. Yeah, um, I, 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 it's hard to say. You know, if if I missed specific opportunities because um, you know, I, I, nobody would tell me that that's the reason I would not be um, put forward for something. But I, I could definitely feel it, and I almost like created those limitations on on the opportunities that I would then try and go for myself. So. You know, no, nobody ever said to me, well, you're a bit chubby, so maybe this is not the right thing for you or anything like that. But I started doing that to myself. And that's how I, you know, I kind of restricted opportunities yeah. inadvertently for myself. Um, and a lot of these things, yeah, did involve public speaking and did involve applying to speak at, at certain events. Um, because you look, again, using the, the, the what we talked about earlier about the world being quite superficial and, and shallow, we are also part of that world and we are also the same human beings um, that, we're, that we're referring to that are looking at a world in a, in a slightly superficial way. We all do it. And I remember um, being in, I think I was in, I was in Austria um, attending an industry event, you know, so a, a website, um, a web developers seminar. Um, and I, it was one of the, it's the biggest in Europe and they put out a call for speakers. Um, and I, I like, well, I, I know my stuff. I've built a, a, a web agency for 
coming up to a decade, I, I've got all the experience. I've got more experience than most of these speakers here um, you know, combined. Um, and I've got real value to add. But I was in, I was in Europe. You know, I was uh, um, looking at speakers from Italy and from France, from Spain, from Germany, all, all over the, all Europe and all over the world. And feeling conscious that, you know, I was uh, not, I didn't fit the the visual of these speakers on these big stages. These guys are quite, you know, they're all tall. They're all quite quite fit. They look look good wearing these cool suits, and I couldn't pull that off because when I wear a suit, you know, it doesn't quite sit right on me or whatever. So the the physical appearance definitely impacted me, and maybe you know, I, I maybe it wouldn't have made any difference if I'd applied to speak at these events and I'd got the gig. It wouldn't have made any difference, and and I I don't for one second think they would have looked at my picture and said, well, he's a fatty, so let's not have him. But it it, it impacts the decisions that that we make for ourselves. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely felt those insecurities, and and even now, like you know, a year on from this transformation, where I'm at a stage of maintaining uh, my 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 weight and my muscle, and maintaining it at a level that is more sustainable and you can live with it on a day-to-day basis is is also a challenge in itself because now i know when i get onto a podcast or people read a blog about about this transformation all they imagine me looking like is this men's health cover ripped ripped guy like it looks like this all year round um which is not the case um you know if i post something on instagram for example one of the insecurities that goes through my mind is hang on people have seen me with my with my shirt off, looking absolutely you know like ripped to pieces, but this image doesn't show me in that same light anymore because it's been a year and I'm and my goals are different. I don't I can't stay at that same level all year round. So what will people think? Will people think I you know I kind of faked it or it was photoshopped or you know? So you, you still go through those insecurities, and I don't I don't think there's anyone who is totally entirely comfortable with the way they look in the way that they're going to be perceived by their friends, family, clients, colleagues, what have you. Uh, I don't think that ever goes, but it's about managing the expectations that you have of yourself and, and of those looking at, at, at your content online. We all, we all have our insecurities about something or other and, and, and yeah. about things that uh, other people don't notice. Now, I know, I know we're sort of uh, running some time here and I hope you're okay because there's a few things I want. That's to fine. Do. So let me know if, it, if you need to if we need to wrap things up. But um, one thing I did want to get onto is that something, there's something you've been doing. You've been running a very successful meetup group for quite some time. Yeah. And I think it, if I remember rightly, it started off as a meetup for, for marketing, but it's really now become more of an entrepreneurial meetup. So, so I'd like to ask you a bit, a bit more about that and what it is you do and, and what that, what that's done for the people who attend it. Yeah. So, I've spent, you know, a bit over a decade building my 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 online businesses, um, having you know a good degree of success um, with those businesses, and I got to a stage in my life, uh, John, where I felt, and it sounds a bit cheesy, it sounds really corny, but I really felt this sort of duty, like a a, a duty or a responsibility. Um, to pay forward and to share the things that I've learned along the way. Now, you can say, well, I've been doing that for 10 years anyway, through events and workshops and blogs and podcasts and what have you. 
but actually coming from a very different place um, of let's create a community of other people who are uh, yeah, different stages of their their entrepreneurial journey, and they they simply want to learn from others with no, you know, there's no ulterior motive. There's no, um, I'm not doing it to raise a profile or to, ra- to to build a brand or anything like that at all. It's coming from a, a place of this sense of responsibility that I've had a taste of this success, and I have to I have to give it away. I have to pay it forward because. That's how I got it myself. I, the only reason I had the successes and the failures that I had was because other people paid it forward to me, knowingly or unknowingly, whether they were teaching me you know, directly or I was reading a book of theirs or I was reading their blog or watching their videos. Right. And I felt this, this, this deep sense of, of duty that you know, as, as entrepreneurs, we, we owe it to, this makes me sound really old, but we owe it to like the next generation of entrepreneurs who are uh, uh, learning the ropes themselves and we can shortcut their success very quickly by just telling them or, or, or shining a light on something that they may not see themselves for another five years simply because they, you know, they, they just won't get to that stage in their journey until they've had a few failures and successes themselves. So I think whether or not they take it on board, whether or not they implement it, even if they ignore it, we have a duty to, to give it away and to pay it forward and to give that heads up to uh, those who who need it, because if it wasn't for others doing that for me over the last decade, I wouldn't have learned uh, what I what I know, and I wouldn't have had anything to share and to reshare uh, to my audience. Um, so that's what Entrepreneur Jam is. It's a it's a community of you know like minded uh, entrepreneurs and and speakers who just want to give stuff away because they're passionate about it and they kind of past the point in their business and their lives where they need to speak at an event in order to sell something um, or they're, they're a little bit past the, that phase in their lives where they they're doing it to raise their profile. You know, the, we've had some incredible speakers, people who are, you know, they, they've, they've we had a, the founder of Cobra beer uh, last January, Lord uh, Curran Billamoria. We've had other Lords. We've had people with MBEs, people who've had massive impact in in business and entrepreneurship in in this country and abroad, but are not looking to you know sell a course or an ebook or uh, you know a workshop or anything like that or raise their brand because you know Lord Billamoria, I don't think I can raise a Lord's brand any more than than, than he already has, right? And you know he, he doesn't need me to do that. And the concept came out from um, came about where I was speaking to these people and I had I remember I had a, having a call with with. A guy who is is a, a real expert in in time management and getting more done in less amount of time. And I was, I told someone I've got this call with this guy and it's going to be super exciting because he talks about how you can you know achieve so much more in less time and and all this stuff. And they said, oh, will you let me know what he says? And this is you know going back a year or two years. And he said, I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give you a call afterwards. And of course, I forgot to give this person a call. Or when we did eventually speak a few weeks later, I'd kind of forgotten what we talked about uh, in, in this in this chat with this guy that I was talking about. And he said, "Oh, did you not record it? You know, as a podcast or something?" And I said, "Oh, no, not really. I wasn't really into into that. And podcasts weren't really a thing a couple of years ago as as much as they are now." So he said, "Well, I bet you there would be fifty people who would love to be a fly on the wall on that conversation or to that conversation." And I said, "That's interesting." 
you know, what, how could we do that? And that's how the the live events were were created. And the concept of the live event is like a talk show. It's not a presentation. There's no slideshows or anything like that. There's no, you know, there's no speaker um, doing a, a stand-up um, presentation. It's me interviewing somebody else, just like you and I are doing here, but in front of a live audience. And I joke about it at, at the events. That it's like a, you know, it's like the Oprah Winfrey show, I'm, and I'm Oprah, where I, 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 I sort of get the crowd going. I call in this expert, and I interview them in front of the crowd. And we we kind of forget that the, the audience is there. It's just me and the other person having a conversation about things that I want to learn from them. It just so happens that there's a hundred people sitting in front of us also learning from them. So it's a concept of come and watch me learn from these experts. And I guess that's also the concept of a podcast, right? Um, so it's, it's almost like a, a live, um, a live interview. Well, it is. It's a live interview with yeah. experts who are, who are just sharing information. And I, I love doing it. And so that's what I was talking about before when I said my my public speaking has changed very much from what it used to be on stage delivering a presentation to now almost being an interviewer and just just facilitating other people delivering value and me learning at the same time. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm killing a lot of birds with, with that one stone. I'm helping other people to learn. Um, I'm paying forward the things that I know and I'm facilitating these these you know super super successful individuals mm. who 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 also have feel this sense of uh, responsibility of of sharing the information they know if any if anyone listening is in or around the london area and wanted to check that out where would they need to find information so the best place is uh, one of two places either on meetup.com which is where the the meetup is hosted uh, you can find it there you just need to type in entrepreneur jam um and uh the other place is on on facebook there's a facebook group called entrepreneur jam you just search for it in, in facebook and you'll find all the pages and the groups for it there and that's where obviously i'll share the the new events that are coming um you know do you want to go digital with it as well and mm. and bring it bring it into into the current uh, age of podcasts and uh, be able to reach more people of course with everything that's going on right now a little bit difficult to to bring a hundred people together in a in a small confined space, but um, you know, I'd love for anyone uh, listening to this to, to to come down and and get involved. So people can get in touch with you through through Meetup and find out more about Entrepreneur Jam. Is there anywhere else where people can come and find out more about you? Yeah, so the, the the hub of all of my stuff, whether it's the Entrepreneur Jam Meetup, whether it's my my businesses and the services that I offer, um, and all of my my content that I'm starting starting to publish about my advice and my tips and things that I've learned along the way, uh, is is my my website, which is www.surajsodha.com, and that's where you can that that's where I'm going to be publishing and and spending most of my time, and from there, of course, you've got my social media profiles it's just, it's just my name there's not many people called Suraj Soto in the world so if you, if you search me on any of the main platforms um, you know, you'll, you'll find me and I'd love to connect with, with people and, and just learn about what, what you're doing and if there's anything I can share with other people then, then absolutely send it my way we'll make sure that that all goes in the show notes for sure yeah that's a, a privilege I don't have of having a name that I don't share with too many other people because there's uh, plenty of people <laughs> Or variations, <laughs> variations on, on the thing. Yeah, yeah. 
it's a, a little unfortunate sometimes, but memorable in other ways. So well, one thing, one thing then, as we as we start to wrap up, I like to I like to ask my guests for a book recommendation, and it may not necessarily be to to relate to anything we talked about, but maybe relating to something that you have found personally useful, a book that you would always recommend, or maybe even give to a, yes. a client or a friend. What what would that book be? Uh, so I've spent um, the last few months just really diving deep into a number of books, but there's one book, it, it stands the test of time for me. I have been giving this book away probably for the best part of seven to eight years. Um, I give away so many copies every year, I, I literally have no idea. Um, it was actually a book uh, recommended to me uh, John by a mutual contact of ours, uh, Dwayne Alley in Australia, about seven or eight years ago, who uh, told me about this book. It's called The Go Giver. Um, it's by a guy called John, uh, sorry, by a guy called Bob Berg and John David Mann, and it's written as a fable. It's it's a ultra simple, you know, simple and easy book to read. It, it's a it's not a textbook kind of business book. It's not a how to business book. It's just written as a as a fable, and that book impacted me so much when I read it seven year, eight years ago. I literally reached out to the author after I'd read it. Uh, you know, I think I pretty much read it in one sitting, and said, uh, I, "I need to spend some time with you. I need to come to your conference, your event, whatever." And he happened to be having an event in Florida a few months later, which I which I flew out for, and it was uh, the the contents of this book just impacted the way I run my business and, and elements of my life as well. The book talks about five stratospheric laws of success. And I won't go into them now. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it or do them injustice. But the, the, the book talks about these five laws of success that are universal, um, that will allow us as individuals to grow a business or to uh, just, just to live a better, more whole wholesome life. And I cannot recommend it enough. I give I give these books away um, at my events as well, you know, every every now and then, if I'm talking about something, if I did I did this at the last event, which was last year now, um, which normally it's a monthly event, but last year when we when we had one of our end of year events, you know, I think we had about 50, 60 people in the room, and I said like this book, and the the the, 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 the I referenced this book as part of my interview with somebody, and I said um, I said if anyone wants this book, I believe in this message so much, just email me your address and I'll get a copy sent out to you and. You know, it, it, it's that important to me that people, more and more people read this book, especially right. those who I work with. Um, and of course, there are hundreds of incredible life-changing books that I've read as well. But if I had to read one, um, which is not like a, a, a typical business book, it would be that one, The Go-Giver. It's, it's a, great, a great book. I remember Dwayne sending out that recommendation and yeah. I bought it based on his recommendation also, and I love it. Just yes. just a few weeks ago, I recommended it to one of my clients as a, a book for him to read as well. Yeah, brilliant. It. And uh, it is a book that I would I would second out. It's a great book for anybody to read, so thank you for that. Let's, let's close up the podcast then with uh, a final thought. Maybe I should have asked you to prepare for this. <laughs> yeah, uh, put me on the spot now. Well, but just a, a final thought, maybe a bit of your own personal philosophy or some action that you would want people to take or maybe even something that relates to stuff that's going on right now, but just a closing thought to leave everyone with. I think lead with an authentic reason why you're doing things. 
if you're launching a podcast, if you're launching a blog, if you're launching a, a service or product or a course or an event, whatever it might be, you know, we, we hear about people saying, make sure you have, you know, your why, you know, your, you know, your purpose, you know, your, your ultimate end goal. I think we need to add just a word in front of that, which is authentic, authenticity. It's all well and good saying my why is to change the world or my why is to do so-and-so. Um, but rather than that why coming out of a, an exercise of some sort where you've got a big piece of paper and you're writing out everything that you, you want to get out of your brain, just make it authentic. And it doesn't have to be a life-changing mission or a world-changing mission that you're on to you know, impact every human being on the planet. It, 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 as long as it comes from a place of authenticity and uh, integrity, anything can work. Anything you can, you can. If, if your thing is about making money right now, in, in the, wherever you are in your life right now, and you just need to make more money, that's totally fine. But do it with integrity and do it offering an authentic solution to someone's problem. And if your thing is about, you know, curing something or solving other people's problems, as long as it comes from a place of doing it um, out of integrity and authenticity. I think you're 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 onto a, onto a good thing. So that's that would be my closing thought. Uh, there's too many people doing things inauthentically and with with a lack of integrity. Um, and on social media, like we talked about earlier, it's very easy to, easy to spot those people. So if you're the person sharing and giving authentically and with integrity, it's actually easier for you to stand out that way, and you don't have to work as hard either. Yeah, the, that's great. And these are things I hear business owners and entrepreneurs talking about more and more operating within ethical frameworks, operating from a place of authenticity and service. And it and it's a good conversation to hear and one that I hope continues to spread, especially through the corporate world, really, as well, where, yeah. it's, where it's very needed. So that's, that's a great thought to close up on. And we will close with that. Suraj, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. You've been a fantastic guest. It's been a really interesting conversation. And I look forward to connecting with you again in the future thank you so much it's been an absolute uh, honor to be on your show i'm so glad we got to do this and, and i can't wait to to see more of, of how, how we can we can help other people and and do more things together like this excellent thank you Suresh. thanks i hope you've enjoyed this episode if you have please make sure to like and subscribe and come back for more great episodes and chats with amazing people if you think you'd be a good guest for the podcast or you know someone who would or you think I'd be a good guest for your podcast, please feel free to get in touch. You can email me, john at presentinfluence.com. If you think I'd be a good speaker for your event or you'd like to learn more about public speaking, presentation skills, whether that's online or in person, creating online products and services, video content, having clarity, confidence and charisma in all of doing that, then please shoot me an email or visit my website presentinfluence.com and I'll see you there.